Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Excited to encounter that with you. Uh, my name is Pastor Joey. For those of you that are new, and we just want to say welcome today for all of our guests. And uh, I just want you to know that you are deeply loved and you have a purpose. God, in his infinite mercy and grace, he saw into time, he looked down in this very moment, and he purposed your life, your breath, and he loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to do something miraculous in you today. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. It's such an awesome God that we serve. We are in week three of a series. We started at the beginning of this year uh, called Focus. We just completed our 10 days of fasting and prayer. Was that a blessing? Did, did you enjoy spending that time? I think it's something special when the people of God come together in unity and seek God together. And uh, so I know that was a blessing in my life, and I'm excited to hear uh, what God has done in your lives as we go through, uh, throughout the year. But just to kind of recap where we've been, in week one, we started off the year right. We were looking back. We were focusing on the cross. Because the Word of God says that if we're, if we're struggling, if we're weak, if we're feeling like we can't keep going, that we are to look back at what Jesus suffered, and then we won't give up. Because when we look back at what Christ suffered on our behalf, we realize that what we have going on is really not that bad. And so we looked at the cross, we celebrated the communion together, and, and I know that there was healing and victory in, in the blood and body of Christ. And then last week we talked about focusing on the Word of God, how it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That there are a lot of confusing things in this world, there are a lot of different directions we can go, a lot of different things we can believe, but if we keep our nose in the book, if we stay true to the Word of God, if we remain in the truth, what's it going to do, beloved? It will set you free, right? And so there are a lot of things that we stumble into that God's Word has something to say, and Jesus intends to use it to set us free and to deliver us. And today, beloved, I'm in need of some encouragement today. I don't know if, if you're here and, and you walked in today with a heavy heart, but I believe that the Lord wants to bring encouragement. And two messages that really spoke to me this week, one was from just a daily devotional that, that I opened up, just a new devotional this week. And if you're not having regular times with the Lord, getting away to, to pray and to read, you're missing out on something very special. Because I believe it's in those secret places, those, those personal times God wants to speak and when he does, it can be revolutionary. It can change your life. It can change your whole day. It's amazing. But uh, in the daily devotional, and then also I was listening to a message from uh, Pastor Bill Johnson from Redding, California. They just resonated with me this week. And I, even though I'd already prepared something for today, I just felt like the Spirit of God kind of transitioned. Like this is something that he wants for us. And how many of you often feel like God wants something from you? Don't you feel like that sometimes? Like you wake up each day and you, maybe you do something out of character, you make a mistake, and there's just like this innate feeling like, oh, I let God down again. Like he's wanting something from us. But beloved, God doesn't need anything from us. But he definitely wants something for you. And I believe today it's encouragement, it's strength. 
And I believe this is exactly what he has in store. Now, I love sharing stories about the miraculous things I've encountered God do in my life. Or ways that maybe I've had a front row seat at the table of him do something miraculous in somebody else's life. It's amazing to, to see just a simple prayer and God brings a healing or maybe changes somebody's complete uh, direction of their life because of a word that he lays on your heart to speak. Those are amazing moments. And we don't have time to recount all the different moments that, that, that maybe are, are even on my mind at this point. But what it does do is it makes me and reminds me how unworthy I am. When God moves and he uses me, man, sometimes I just wake up, and when God moves in a miraculous way, sometimes, even though I'm in awe of what he's doing, I'm just reminded of how unworthy I am, on how much maybe a, a mess my life is, and sometimes I wake up and I just feel like the biggest hypocrite on the planet because I keep doing the same stupid stuff all of the time, and here God is using me in a moment to touch someone else. And it's in that moment where the reality of who I am and how good God is, they, it collides and it does something. It brings an encounter of God's tangible, unconditional love and amazing grace. That God would choose to use broken people like us to make an eternal difference in the life of somebody else. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. And so when I, I see the miracles or the healings or, or I get reports of, of how maybe something that that I've been able to do that's impacted somebody else's life, I, I just, to be honest with the, this morning, that doesn't fulfill me. And you would think it does. Like it, if you would lay your hands on somebody who's, who's got an injury and God heals them right there, you would think that would be fulfilling. Do, do you agree? You think that it doesn't fulfill me. I become hungrier and thirstier for moments like that. Like, when I think of being fulfilled, I think about going to the buffet, like Outback, or, or, you know, the Golden Corral. Any Golden Corral fans? That's a bad idea. It's, it's good, but you have all-you-can-eat steak on a buffet. I'm in, and I'm not leaving until I'm about to puke, right? It's just, it's just who I am, right? So when I leave the buffet, I'm fulfilled. I don't want anything else because I'm filled up. When I encounter the goodness of God, I'm not filled. I'm hungrier. I'm thirstier. It's a completely different experience. And I know all of us have had those moments where we've experienced God in a way that has just filled us up. We feel like we're on cloud nine. And I believe that's what God intends those moments to be, those moments of excitement, of encouragement, that, that kind of motivate us in a positive way to be overwhelmed in his presence and goodness, where we have these spiritual experiences. But you know what? It doesn't just stop there because life happens. And it's like a slow leak in a tire in your car. It looks full, but every second you're losing steam. You're losing air. And before long, that, that full life, that full tire becomes flat. And you need to get filled up again. And I believe those moments have a way to give us those boosts, that, that filling that we need just to reset, recalibrate, re-pursue, re-engage with God. But if I'm honest, I'd, I'd believe that there's maybe a couple of people, a few people here today that you're, you're not just experiencing a slow leak, but you're actually running on flat. And you've been running on flat for a long time. 
And every bump you experience in life isn't subtle any longer, but it's a major thud. And you're in need of some encouragement. You're in need of a filling to get filled up. And I believe that's what God wants to do today. And so I would encourage you to open your heart and prepare for what God might want to speak into you, into your life, and have for you this morning. And I want to just point you to a passage that just spoke to me this week in the Old Testament. God was setting up the nation of Israel to get them ready to go into the promised land. They'd, they'd been slaves for 400 years. They're wandering the desert for 40 years. So that's 440 years of waiting on God's promises to be fulfilled. That's generations and generations of people being born and dying, waiting on God to fulfill his promises. So now they're in this place where they're getting ready. They're getting close to get to experience everything God has, the very breakthrough they've been hoping for as a nation for hundreds of years. And God begins to speak to kind of not only set them up, but psych them up for not just enjoying his blessings in the promised land, but to keep the fires burning, to to position themselves to remain in that place of blessing in favor with God while they're there. Because it's not enough just to walk through the door. It's a perpetual thing God wants to do. He doesn't just want one encounter. He wants every day of your life to be a day living in his presence and experiencing his blessing. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 18, here's what God commands the nation of Israel. As we are not just focusing on the cross or just focusing on the word, today we're going to focus on his testimonies. The testimonies of the Lord. And here's what God commands Israel. He says, you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord has sworn to give your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies before you, for the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in the time to come, what is the meaning of the, what's that say, of the testimony. So what he's getting ready to say is, I'm going to take you into the the land. You're going to get the blessing. You're going to be in the land. One day in the future, there's going to be the younger generation that's not going to have seen what you've seen, experienced what you've experienced, know what you know, and they're going to wonder why we continue to do the same things over and over and over again. When that day comes, here's what you tell them. He says, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the rules the Lord God has commanded you? You shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all of his household before our very eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are to this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are encouraged that you have not forsaken us, but you've promised us to always be with us, to never leave us or abandon us. God, that just like Israel, your will is for us to enjoy the goodness of God every day of our lives. And that, Lord, we have come today to yield ourselves to surrender again to your purpose, your plan, your will. God, that we would uh, just humble ourselves before you today because we know that the humble are lifted up in the sight of the Lord. 
God, we come hungry for encounter. We come hungry for your presence. We come hungry to know you deeper and more intimately than we've known you before we walked in the door. Jesus, we glorify you today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place, and we say, come and minister and dwell among us. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart that is ready to believe, and a mind that understands all that you've prepared, and may we receive it as good seed on the soil of a good heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't want to be long today because I want to have time for us to respond to the Lord uh, in just a few moments. I just want to highlight really three things that God commands Israel to observe here in Deuteronomy. The first, that God commands Israel for them to experience the favor of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God daily. He, he says, you need to observe my rules or my judgments. These are the commandments of God. The second is his statutes. These are prescribed tasks or actions. This is how you live out the commands. And then number three is the testimony or the witness. And this is what resonated with me this week. Bill Johnson, as he was teaching on this uh, text, he explained it this way, that the rules are the, the what. They are the how God wants you to obey him. The, statute, the statutes are the way God thinks or the way God wants you to think about them. And then the testimonies are what God has done, what he wants you to remember or the why behind why you are keeping the commandments. And so the, it's important that we have this in our minds. It's not just obeying the rules. It's not just doing things the way God wanted. But he wants you to remember why you're doing it to begin with. Why you're doing it to begin with. And as we're talking about focus this year, as that's our theme for the year, if we lose the why, we won't understand why we do anything at all. If we lose the why behind the what, why behind we even come, why do you wake up on Sunday morning to gather with people to sit and listen to a guy talk and sing some songs together? Why do you do it? If you don't know, it won't be of value to you. Why do you read your Bible and pray every day? Why do you seek after God? Why, why do you continue to live a life to please God in heaven? Why is that? When you lose the why, it's not long before you forsake the what. Asaph, he writes on this very subject in Psalm 78. And here's what Asaph says in Psalm 78, beginning in verse 1, along the same lines. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Three things that we have heard and, or three, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. So here he's beginning this psalm. He's writing what he is saying. He's saying these are not just stories from the Old Testament. These aren't just stories that we like to share. There's a purpose behind them. If you remember, this is also a nod to Jesus, the Messiah. What did Jesus come doing? He came teaching in parables and poetic and dark sayings. This is a foreshadowing of what the Messiah would do. But here he's saying that there are stories, there are dark sayings, there are things that we have been told that we've known from our fathers that have shared them before us. The stories in the Old Testament, the things that Israel was commanded to keep, these testimonies, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, were examples for us. 
So they're not just stories we remember. They're examples that point to something, point to a bigger truth, a bigger idea. They were written down for our instruction. These examples are the testimonies of the Lord. They talk about what God did. They reveal who God is. And even though they're stories about men and women, they're ultimately the story of God himself. So God commanded Israel not just to give the commands and to keep the statutes, but also to remember the stories, to remember how God delivered them from Israel or from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, to remember the testimonies. He commanded them not just to remember them personally, but to pass these down to the future generations. And Asaph continues. He says, we will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation, what's he say? The glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and his wonders. So we're not just keeping the rules. We're not just following the, the plan. We're not just being religious. We're telling the stories. We're constantly telling the stories of what God has done, his mighty power, and, and the things that he has done to create, like build this nation of ours. We will not hide the testimonies from our children. And here's what he's getting ready to tell us is why this is so important. Why do we tell the great wonders he has done? Verse 5 says, he established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children so that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn and that they would arise and tell their children. Keeping the testimonies of God was meant to become a culture in the nation. As we share to our children, our children then share to their kids and to their kids. That perpetually from generation to generation on the lips of God's people would be the testimony, the praises of who God is and all that he's done that they would arise to their divine destiny to be ones who would keep the testimonies of God. And by doing so, they would receive the blessings of God and enjoy his favor all their days. As they fulfilled their divine calling, God would rain down blessings on their lives. What's the word say? It says he lavishes unfailing love to a thousand generations. This is God's will. This is his desire, is that we would live blessed that we could be blessed. And not only blessed, but in verse 7, it says also, not only should they arise, but so they should what? Set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. That they should set their hope in God. What is the one thing you are missing when you're living discouraged? It's hope. It's hope. Hope for change, hope for things to be different, hope that God hears your prayer, hope that God's going to come through. The one thing when we're living discouraged that we are desperately missing but yet crying out for is hope. And look what he says in verse 7. He says that they would have their hope in God and not forget the works but keep his commandments. There's a lot of darkness in this world. A lot of things to be discouraged by. There's a lot of spiritual warfare happening all the time. A lot of brokenness. A lot of sin. 
a lot of our own flesh that we have to wrestle with. We have impossible expectations that we put on ourselves or that other people place upon us. There's a lot of things out there to discourage us or whittle us down like that slowly deflating tire. And what does discouragement do? It pushes us to go our own way, to take matters into our own hands, to find another way, to something else to hope in. Because keeping the testimonies of God is tied to keeping our hope, and hope is also tied to our obedience. So in keeping the testimonies of the Lord, it's meant to spark the light of hope. It's meant to, as we share the testimonies of God, what God has done, it's to spark the light of hope into our hearts to get us out of the pit and focused on the goodness of God. And David, the King David in the Old Testament, before he was, um, I believe it's before he was king, he was under the uh, command of Saul. He was leading the army. They were encamped. Um, he might have been fleeing from Saul at this time, but they were encamped in this town. And he and his men were out. They were out on a mission, something that they were doing to uh, arrange provision for themselves. And while they were gone, an invading army comes and ransacks their town, takes all their stuff, and kidnaps their women and children. When they get back, they see their, their village on fire, and they are deeply discouraged, as one would be. They are deeply discouraged, and the, the men become greatly distressed and turn not on the enemy, but turn on David. So not only is your wife gone, your kid's gone, your home is burnt to the ground, all your stuff's been taken, but now the very people you thought had your back want to kill you, and they blame you. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, and every man for his sons and for his daughters. But what did David do? David encouraged himself. And the Lord is God. David encouraged himself. That word could also be translated as strengthened. How many of you know when you're feeling discouraged, you're not feeling very strong? But where does our strength come from? It's the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so David, he didn't fall into despair. He didn't sit in discouragement. He encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And how did he do it? Beloved, he remembered the testimonies of the Lord. He remembered who his God was and what God could do. And in my mind, I'm thinking he's remembering not just coming out of Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea, but I'm thinking about something more personal where he stood toe-to-toe with the giant and he pulled five smooth stones from a little brook, but he only needed one because with God, impossible things become extremely possible. And he slew the giant, cut his head off, and then took his head and chased the enemy down until they fleed. You don't read about that in the Bible storybooks. They leave that part out. I remember when my kids were a little younger, Asher was really young, and we were reading the Bible storybook, and he, he's always been kind of an intense kid. He likes the gore, and, the, and the, uh, you know, every once in a while, he'll, you know, he'll pull out a question about, if I do this, will it, would it kill me? And I'm like, yep, probably would. You know, so you know, that's always kind of been his thing, and we were talking about the the Bible story book and David and Goliath, and I was like, you know, he didn't just hit him with a stone, but he took his sword and cut his head off, and that was my mistake. That was a parent fail because he couldn't tell the story without saying, and he cut his head off, and he cut his head off. 
But he did. And this teenage kid with the head of a giant chases down the army as proof positive that my God is superior to all other gods. And so I'm thinking in this moment, as David's men are against him, his family's been taken, everybody's in this deep pit, he is able to encourage and strengthen himself because he remembers the testimonies of God, and it shifted his whole perspective. In Haggai, there were people who were allowed to finally go home after the 70 years of exile in Babylon, and God gave the people an instruction. He said, when you get back, don't just hang around. Rebuild the cities and rebuild the temple. It's time to rebuild everything. And so they're excited. They get back. They start the construction project. Years go by, and the city is rebuilt. Everything is established. They've got comfortable homes. They're living in luxury, but the temple of God hasn't been touched. And so God speaks to the prophet. He says, go to the people and tell them, like, you're living in luxury, but my house is still in disrepair. And that's why your crops are failing. Sickness and disease is prevailing. This is why you're struggling in all this area, because you have neglected my house. And the people were discouraged. They were despondent. They, they were discouraged with the news that the God they thought they served was actually in opposition to them because he wasn't in the first place in their life. They neglected his house. But then God then again speaks to the prophet in Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. And this is what the Lord says. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. He said, I am with you, says the Lord. How many of you know, no matter what you're going through, that the Lord God is with you? He's with you. Psalm 34 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. God is with his people. God is with you, and God is for you. Verse 14, the mere thought that the God of heaven's armies is with me, says the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. One word, one word from the prophet, I am with you, shifted their entire countenance. They went from discouraged to enthusiastic. Another translation will say the Lord stirred up the spirit. He awakened the spirit, awakened their mind, their spiritual heart as he encouraged them. That word encourage or enthusiasm is not in the text, but you can infer it. You can see just by reading the context that they became enthusiastic about the work that God was calling them to do. But enthusiasm means this, intense and eager enjoyment, intense interest or approval. So you went from not doing anything for the Lord, discouragement, to being highly, intensely interested in what God is encouraging you to do. Why? Because they remembered the testimonies of the Lord. They remembered who God is. They focused on his promises and reminded themselves of what God said in the past. He always fulfilled. And so if God said he was with them, then that meant if God was with them, no one could be against him. They were focused now on something they knew would bring great blessing, even though the work would be hard. 
love and keeping the testimonies of God is a powerful way to position yourself for the blessings of God. But it's also the fuel to light the fire of hope in your heart. Psalmist in Psalm 78 knew this. He knew that the testimonies of God is where we find our hope, is where we get our hope back. Some of you need to get your hope back in what you're struggling with. It's in the testimonies of God. In Psalm 78, 8, as he's encouraging the people to keep his testimonies, he says that, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful. There's, there was this group of Israelites who had decided that they were no longer going to follow the ways of the Lord, that they were going to go their own way, do their own thing. The Ephraimites, they were armed with a bow, verse 9. They turned back on the day of battle. They were supposed to go and back up their brothers in arms, but they decided to turn back because they didn't really think that there was a good reason why they should engage themselves in this issue. Verse 10, it says, they didn't keep God's covenant. They didn't obey the rules anymore. I don't, I don't see the point in circumcising my kids. That seems painful and harsh. I don't, I don't see why, like, uh, not taking what I want from the grocery store is a, is a problem. You know, I want it, and I don't have it. I might as well take it. They, they didn't understand. They didn't recognize God's law anymore. They refused to walk according to his statutes. And why did they do it? What happened in this nation, in this tribe, to get them in opposition to God? Verse 11, they forgot his works and the wonders he had shown them. They forgot what God did. They forgot the why. They forgot the why. They lost their hope. And so they trust in other things. You see, there's a correlation between keeping the testimonies of God and our obedience to God. The reason why God's people turn in unbelief and faithlessness to go their own way, why they allow their circumstances to suck the life out of their joy, and why we get so defeated when life isn't panning out like we want it to or the way we thought it was going to is because of a failure to remember, a failure to keep his testimony. To remember the why behind the what. And in Bill Johnson's talk, he talked on the reason why many people don't experience the miracles in the presence of God and these miraculous things that seem to happen in other people's lives more frequently. And he talked about Revelation 19.10, which we quote here often, and that the, the uh, testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That the glorifying God, the testimony of what Jesus has done, who he is, that's the spirit of prophecy. Whether prophecy is telling the future or causing the future uh, through a prophetic word, the heart of it is the testimony of Christ. What he did in the past is a reflection of what he will do again in the future. When we declare something God has done or something that he said, this is his testimony. We're also declaring what he's going to accomplish in the future and, and we have to remember that God's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't have categories for people like we do. There are no tribes in heaven. There's one tribe. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. There are no races in heaven. We're all one race, the human race. There are no categories for people. There's not rich or poor, slave or free, male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so when we are giving the testimony, when we're looking at what Christ has done, if he healed one, he's going to heal another. If he provided for one, he's going to provide for another. 
If you brought breakthrough for one, he's going to bring breakthrough for another. Jesus is going to continue to heal because he's a healer. He's going to continue to work, continue to fight because that's who he is. So as we remember the testimonies of God, we're not just psyching ourselves up and encouraging our spirit. We are making a prophetic proclamation that God's getting ready to do something in somebody's life. If God restored a marriage over here, God is going to restore a marriage over here. If God brought a wayward child home over here, he's going to bring a wayward child home over here. He is going to continue to do what God does best, and that is the miraculous, and that's the impossible. And Bill makes this argument, which I think stands, that if we're not keeping his testimonies, if we're not sharing what God has done, if we're not declaring what he's done and keeping that in the forefront of our focus, we won't be encouraging ourselves or encouraging others and strengthening our faith. We won't be creating an atmosphere of enthusiastic expectation for God to do something miraculous. And if we're not expecting God to do something, it means we're not believing God to do something. And if we're not believing God to do something, why would we expect God to do something? And on and on and on the circle. You're not going to believe if you can't expect, and you can't expect if you don't believe. How do we break the cycle? We put our hope in God. And we share his testimonies to encourage our faith that God is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Today, beloved, I'm in need of encouragement. And one of the most powerful ways to keep encouraged is to keep his testimonies in worship. And in just a moment, we're going to have a time of testimony. We're going to have a time where we worship the Lord together. But worship is a powerful way to keep his testimonies. In the book of Psalms, if you open up to the book of Psalms, it's filled with songs of the testimonies of God. The reason why we sing and worship together is to keep the testimonies of God. If we're singing and we're singing a song about what God has done or who he is, and you're not singing along, you're not putting your heart into worship, guess what you're doing? You're not strengthening yourself in the Lord and encouraging yourself in the Lord. There's a reason why we do these things. When we don't remember the why, we don't follow through with the what. And so worship is one way we are to keep the testimonies, that we seek him, that we declare his goodness. In Psalm 78, uh, it's also a song. It's not just something we read, but something that was sung and declared in synagogues all around the nation of Israel in a psalm that has meant a lot to me, it was in our uh, packet for the 10 days of fasting and prayer, something that God put in my life early on. It's a psalm of keeping testimony. In Psalm 145, it says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. They shall keep your testimonies. 
on the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I'm not going to meditate on my dysfunction. I'm not going to meditate on my discouragement. I'm not going to meditate on the job I hate, the person I can't stand, the spouse I can't get along with. I'm going to meditate on the wondrous and awesome deeds of God. They shall speak of your might and your awesome deeds. They'll declare your greatness. They'll pull forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. For the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He's good to all. His mercies over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Amen. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds in the glorious splendor of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The testimonies of the Lord are good. The word of the Lord is pure, reviving the soul. His testimonies encourage hope. If we're weighed under heaviness, it's because we've forgotten what he's done and who he is. I believe this morning, as we transition to a time of response, that God is hungry for a people who will keep his testimonies. In just a moment, I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And Chris and Scott, you can go ahead and make your way down. But the encouragement and the response time today is that we would worship the Lord in testimony. And my encouragement is, is if God has done something in your life, if you experienced a healing, a miracle, maybe a breakthrough in some way, maybe a financial breakthrough or a relational breakthrough, that God has done something, there's something that, that you look to in your life Anytime you think of what God has done, it's like, man, there was this one moment. I didn't know how things were going to pan out, but God came through in a powerful way. Beloved, that's a testimony worth sharing. That's a testimony worth sharing because here's the reality. There's somebody probably in this room that's either dealt with or is dealing with the same thing. And if the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, telling what God has done is the spirit of proclaiming what God is going to do in the future, then what that tells us is if God did it for one, he's going to do it for another. And so we don't just want to share testimonies and clap like that's a good story. We want to capitalize on God's promises. We want to believe his word, and we want to put faith in what he has said. And so if someone shares a testimony about a healing, and you're struggling with the same thing, we're going to ask you to come forward, and we're going to pray and ask God to do the same thing in your life. And we're going to believe God. If you, if you need physical healing, we've got the anointing oil. We're going to anoint your head with oil. And we're going to believe God for a miracle. If God did a financial breakthrough in your life and someone here is needing a financial breakthrough, you're, we're going to invite you to come. And we're going to just believe God is who he said he is. His greatness is unsearchable. His glory is throughout the earth. 
His fame is undescribable. And I believe God is going to do something significant in our lives today. And I would just encourage you when you come and you share that right, it's not a time for teaching or to rebuke the church for things that you think are wrong. This is a time to share what God has done. And there might be multiple people who want to share, so try to keep your comments as short as you can. But there is a promise in Isaiah chapter 61. This is what Jesus came to do. So we're going to declare what Jesus has done. And we're going to put faith in together that this is what he's going to do even today. In Isaiah 61, Jesus even read this in the synagogue in Nazareth. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Beloved, the result of breakthrough is worship and praise. The result of a healing, the result of a move of God, the lifting of burdens are the joyful songs on the hearts of believers who are declaring the greatness of God as we keep his testimonies. If you're dealing with that spirit of heaviness, you have a darkness on your life, today is your day to replace that with the garment of praise. As we sing together, as we worship together, as we testify together of God's goodness. And so I'm going to pray. And in just a moment, when I pray, we're going to invite you to give a testimony. If anyone in the prayer team, if any one of you have a testimony to share, feel free. But this is your time to respond, to proclaim what God has done in your life. And we're going to let God move. We're going to let the Spirit just take this thing. And in a little bit, we're going to sing. And we're going to rejoice in what God has done among us today. Heavenly Father, we just come to you now in the name of Jesus. And God, we recognize the importance of keeping your testimony. Of getting our eyes off of what's wrong in our lives and fixing our eyes on Jesus. On your glory and your power. And oh God, what you've done. How we can recite the works of in the word, your healing of the leper, the opening eyes of the blind, the raising of the dead, walking on the seas, calming the winds and the waves, conquering the enemy, giving your life victoriously on the cross and rising again to new life that we might live in you. God, we could recount the works of the Old Testament, the the creation days, the beginning of all of life, the calling of Abraham, the calling of Moses, the parting of the Red Sea, the provision in the wilderness, the leading victoriously into the promised land, the acts of David and the, and the mighty men, God, the prophets and the ways you worked through Elijah in powerful ways. God, you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same miracles that you did back then are the same things you are accomplishing today, God. And I just pray that today hope would fill our hearts, that we'd be not only encouraged but enthusiastic about the works of God because of the testimonies being shared today. God, remove all spirits of fear and timidity. We're amongst family and friends, and we're here to celebrate the King above all kings. 
So Holy Spirit, we lay this at your feet. Draw who needs to come and share, work and move. We give this to you. us at Vertical Life Church. We want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.